welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 6, Episode 1, titled RuPaul's Big Opening. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one totally forgettable co-host from the podcast Pod is my co-pilot. Please say party to Taylor, the latte boy. I will like to correct you. Yeah. It is the Reverend Taylor, the latte boy. Are you now an ordained minister? I am now an ordained minister. Yes. Why? What? For who's getting married that you're marrying them? My uh, co-host on Pod is my co-pilot. Her daughter, who I've known since she was three, is getting married. And they asked me to officiate the wedding. So as of this week, I have... I was actually doing that while we were getting set up. I was getting my file ready. But I got I get this packet in the mail, and I get this, a little clergy tag <laughs> that I get to take oh. with me in, like, hospitals and airports and shit. I don't know. But I have to I have to read a book about how to marry, and I have to make sure that everything is taken care of. So now I am the reverend. And who is this through? Through whom? For whom? No, through what church or whatever. Universal Life Church. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows about that. Yeah. Yeah. I paid my 50 bucks, and I got a packet of stuff in the mail, goodies in the mail. Oh, look so. at you with your goodies and your packets of stuff and shit like that. <laughs> you know what I've got? Have you heard of sous vide, Taylor? Sous vide cooking? I didn't watch a sous vide. The little egg thing? No, no. Oh, no, sous vide. No. Oh, wait a second. Yeah, because I watched Top Chef. Yeah, mm-hmm. where, the, where they they put they seal the bags and they put yeah. them in the water and it cooks yeah. it in the water. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that a lot lately. Really? Yep. I got a sous vide circulator for my birthday. Thank you to my brother. Okay. And I want to tell you something. It is. Sort of creepy how good it is. Okay. I it, it fast well the science. It's not mm-hmm. even just like cooking or anything. Yeah. There's a definite science that goes to it. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. It's close to set it and forget it. You get basically got a big pot of water and the Anova circulator. I have to I have an Anova. You put mm-hmm. it like, it looks like a big dildo essentially, and you put it in the water and it moves the water to keep it at a precise temperature that I can actually control from my phone. Okay. Oh, cool. And then you, put right. the, you put it in like a Ziploc bag. Uh, you take all the air out and then you just set it and forget it. And um, so what happens is because it's cooked evenly before, all you're really doing is giving it color at the end. So like if you have a steak, let's say, you, how do you mm-hmm. like your steak, Taylor? Medium. Okay. It's medium from the center to the edge, like a perfect color. Does that make sense? It, it, there's no, you don't have that gray band. Okay. There's no dry parts. It's perfectly juicy throughout. Okay. And so right now what I'm doing, and it, as you will know, this is very prone to drying out. I'm doing chicken breasts right now. Okay. And you know what the great thing about it is, too? Is it's supposed to cook for an hour and a half. It's supposed to be done at 630 when I thought we would be done. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone should know we had major technical issues. We had to restart my computer and then it turned out, oh, I had to flip this one switch. And okay. by the way, if you think, oh, well, poor uh, Joe and Taylor. No, this is every episode. This is why yep. Taylor and I are always exhausted every yep. season is because of this. So, Daniel Brewer, please come back. <laughs> so, by the way, if, anyway, if Daniel were on the show, I would have been yelled at so hard. Thank you for not yelling at me. Anyway, uh, it's done at 630. But if we keep going, it still waits there for you at the exact yeah. Temperature. Nothing okay. changes. Now, if you do go past like four hours, the food starts to get like... <laughs> yeah. At some point, it's going to change the molecular structure of the food. It but. gets like mushy, but like yeah. it's very forgiving. Like I could go down at, you know, seven or seven. Th- it'll still be fine. 
It'll still right. be fine. So that's awesome. Big fan of uh, sous vide cooking. I look forward to your sous vide cooking when I eventually come visit you in California. That will never happen because <laughs> getting Taylor to I can't even get Taylor to answer my phone calls. <laughs> that is so not true. I talk to you when necessary <laughs> when yeah. you call. My co-host on my other show said it's starting to sound pathetic how much I bug about like you are mean to me. But I want everyone to know he's actually been. I'll say this: he's been nicer lately. Mm-hmm. I, and I think, why have I been nicer? Because we haven't been taping a podcast. <laughs> oh, I know. So what? So it's been almost almost two months since mm-hmm. we taped one of these RuPaul's Drag Race recap shows. And um, how have you been? I've been good. Been doing good. Married life is good. Uh-huh. Things are things are going well. Uh, work is going up and down, but I'm handling it now mm-hmm. that I'm now that I'm a supervisor. Now that I'm middle management, mm-hmm. I've I've learned I've learned how to be assertive when necessary and i have you to thank for that <laughs> practicing thank on you th- what with uh coworkers and uh and subordinates so not that i consider you a subordinate on a scale of 1 to 10 and be honest be honest okay. and i know you're not afraid of being honest on a scale no. of 1 to 10 how much have you missed doing this show okay zero being not at all 10 being it's the love of my life yeah minus 2 no not minus 2 i would say maybe a th- Three, okay. I I okay. I don't. I I I enjoy doing the show, so thank you to all of our Patreon members. Yeah, but I enjoy doing the show. It is there is just such a time commitment, and by that I mean you know when we're when we're doing our regular seasons, you've only got a couple of days to get that episode out. Yeah. So that, or then it becomes just where it's like, well, what's the point of listening to it? So that part of it, that that's that pace that we have to keep up. Whereas with Pod as my co-pilot and catching up, we can each take time off and do it, take a couple of weeks off and stuff, and not have to worry about that. We have to keep up with everything that's going on. So in that regard, I'm scared about All Stars three and season ten next year. That's that that is the part that I'm not Yeah, you should be frightened crazy about. But I but I love doing the show with you, as I've said uh-huh. on multiple episodes in the past, and I love talking about this show. So in that regards, that's the part that that would be higher as far as missing the show. Mm-hmm. Like maybe a four. <laughs> yeah. But you know, th- this part of the we have to get this done and we have to do this many. And then when we were having in the past co-hosts, you know, trying to get schedules and everything. It was, it was more challenging. Yeah. I'm glad we've, we've solved that problem. Yeah. And, uh, let me ask you this question watching. Cause you, we're not going to, we haven't gotten into the show yet, but when you were watching the episodes that you've seen so far of season six, mm-hmm. were you kind I let me say this. It was very interesting watching the first episode, and we'll get into this. Yes, because yes. it's a different perspective when you know everything that's going to happen. Yes, absolutely. I okay, but I'm lucky in that my husband didn't watch season six. Oh, he didn't. No, unfortunately, though, the other night I decided to watch the Sissy That Walk video, mm-hmm. so he knows who's in the top, and he yeah. also is familiar with, you know. The people that are in – at least a couple of the people that are in the top. So he knew names of people, but the rest of them, he didn't know 
of the of the of the seven in the first episode. He had no idea who most of them were. So that was interesting. You know, and we, we you know, we I just chose this ep- I just chose this season for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it chronologically goes back. We started with season seven, the show, so it makes mm-hmm. sense to go one back. But two, right. it's it's probably among season five and six, it goes between those two for people's favorite season of all time. And uh, some people like four, though. But, you know, most people, it's five or six. And I think that, that four, five, and uh, you could have any of those. Yeah. As far as, as far as like, you know, the bell curve, mm-hmm. with the possible exception of nine being a little bump. I mean, I think that that would be the, the favorites. Well, All-Stars 2 is phenomenal. Well, yeah. Okay. Not if, okay. Well, if you put the well, All-Stars season. Let's say All-Stars is a separate show. The All Stars are a completely separate show. Yeah, but uh, four, five, and six are the strongest seasons of the of the series. Please and don't make me do All Stars one. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Well, that would be way down the line. Okay, but oh God, we are going to do all of them, aren't we? We're going to do all of them because people, are, people, people, pe- pe- Taylor, people love us. <laughs> That's the thing is, why are you afraid for people to love us? Why does that? Why are you afraid of that? Why, do, <laughs> why are you afraid thing of that's love? Me through is that I know there's a finite number of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, we're just going to like run out of episodes. Right. So, but I imagine sorry, the I show will you. end around the same time as that. Anyway, you know, and then we'll get more into detail when, when we get into this. But uh, it was watching it, it. I was shocked. And you'll hear my opinion in a few minutes about people that I liked that I was like, oh, you know, they're kind of annoying. Like, you know, OK, let me put it this way. I remember, I may not remember episodes, but I remember my emotions and my feelings towards certain contestants when I was watching it in the beginning, in the middle, and the end. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking with my newfound knowledge, because, you know, season six, I just watched it as a fan. Right. So I thought with all this new knowledge that I have about RuPaul's Drag Race and everything that's happened, I will have a new perspective. And one of the things I found is so far, without fail... My opinion has remained exactly the same. People that I di- that I liked in the beginning, when I watched season six, I liked again. People that I didn't, I didn't like again. And I thought my I thought that would change, and it didn't. Did you have a similar experience? I did, and I didn't, because there are certain people that we're going to talk about tonight that I liked by the end of the season. And I did not like them in this episode. And that kind of stayed true, even as I was, you know, but I thought to myself, because I have the knowledge about certain contestants, when they come on the screen, I'm going to be, I'm going to be good with them. And immediately I got, I went back to that visceral, like, ew, reaction. And that, that was a little surprising to me, knowing what I know about some of them. There's one exception to that, that I don't remember liking and kind of liked more with this first episode. Now, I will say, let's just get into this because I, I, I'm actually I'm very anxious to dive into this. I also am okay. anxious to dive into my sous vide chicken breast. <laughs> I was going to say that I that I you made got, with yeah that I you made got a with, chicken sitting down there for four hours. Well, that you let me need tell to you get what to. I did. I put in this uh, fresh cut rosemary, lemon mm. slices, olive oil chopped up garlic it's in the bag and it's all in there cooking with the chicken and cooking to the right temperature I'm kind of very mediterranean I, oh well i, like I didn't that. want to tell you that i'm uh i had no joke <laughs> people you're actually greek this whole time yeah i didn't want to tell you this i'm told i've been lying that i'm mexican i'm just greek you know well here's the thing i'm gonna tell you something i'm part greek 
Are you really? Mm-hmm. I'm a quarter Greek. Mm-hmm. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So anyway, let me get back to my chicken. <laughs> no, let me get back to how, like, with the exception of uh, African-American, I've pretty much been mistaken for every race, including Asian. Can you? I don't. I don't think I seem very Asian, but like particularly Filipinos will often think I'm Filipino. I could see Filipino. I couldn't necessarily see like other Cambodian Asian. or anything. Like that, yeah, <laughs> or and, Cambodian. No. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously, all kinds of Latino. I've gotten Jewish. You know, I could see that. I've gotten you know the Greek and the Middle Eastern and everything. The only thing I don't get is um. Uh, then there's these silly people sometimes who go like, oh, you're not white? But I think that's not because of how I look, because of my voice. I'm a very white person voice. So because you don't sound like Speedy Gonzalez, they, you know, yeah, are I'm surprised. Like, hey, that stupid, not- what? what are you doing? You know, hey, what are you talking about? Oh. Hey, Taylor, you know how much I do a whole episode like this, Taylor? You're like, oh. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I love how I'm even like, do, do Mexicans shake their body like this? And you guys can't see it, but I'm like shaking my body. Yeah, orale. Okay. Throw an essay in there. Say, <laughs> but but let me ask you this. I okay. I dated this guy for mm-hmm. a long time. He was the love of my life. He was the one that got away. Okay, his name was Chris. One of the things I found shady about him, I never got an answer to this. He was like a beautiful white man. Okay, mm-hmm. he spoke perfect Spanish with an Argentine accent, and like could okay. have like but like. Literally have, like, entire conversations, like, okay. with an adult. Okay? Well, here's what's shady. He said he just picked it up. Like, uh, you're not just picking up Spanish. No, especially not wh- where you get the dialect with the yeah. Argentine. Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's not, but no. Yeah. No. And so that was weird. But anyway, oh, but when he used to fucking speak Spanish in bed. I was going to say, did it really matter when your face was shoved in a pillow if you were saying in a no, perfect dialect really, or not? It really didn't. Now, Baba Lou, does he speak Spanish? Only when he's really mad at me. <laughs> oh, like Ricky Ricardo? He's he's Ricky Ricardo'd me a couple of times, and I love it. I love oh, it. Have they ever done it in bed while he's rogering you? No. No. I Has he? I don't think so. I am going to ask for that next time. He has a song that he sings to me sometimes. That it's this little tiny, it's this little tiny song that he sings about something about a fish that he wants to be the bubbles in my goldfish tank or something like that. And every time he sings it to me, it makes me smile. And sometimes I'll say, sing, sing, sing the goldfish song. And he sings that usually we're for driving in the car and then it, it makes me smile and it makes me laugh. But this week <laughs> we meet the first seven queens. The girls jump right into their first photo shoot and then prepare their best TV couture. Bendela Cram impressed the judges and won the very first main stage challenge while Adore Delano, Kelly Mantel, and Vivacious were placed in the bottom three. In the end, Adore was safe and Kelly and Vivacious, the older queens, went head to head in a lip sync battle for their lives. Vivacious slayed the runway and Kelly Mantel was the first girl to be asked to sashay away. Taylor, name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you didn't. I, oh God, it's been so long since I've had to answer this question. I don't, I don't necessarily remember. Uh, know, it's a, such things, a gotcha question. It, it is <laughs> because I've never answered this before. Yeah. Two things that I liked about the episode. Um, I would say there was a 
nostalgia, which is ridiculous because it's like three seasons ago, but there was something kind of fun about watching the show and watching the progression of the show from where it was to where it is now. So there was something very quaint about the show. Um, That's one thing that I liked. Two, I forgot how cute I think April Carrion is. Oh, we're going to fucking get to that. And I totally forgot. I totally forgot about her being on the season. So when she came in with the little with the little cap and the, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember you. You're adorable." So those are two things that I like that I get to see her for you know for I don't know how long because we don't know who's going home when <laughs> this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I didn't like, I would like to save the one thing I didn't like for. I, okay, I can say one that's really easy. I hate Gia Gunn. So <laughs> I was like, I I don't like Gia Gunn. So, and that is, that, that stays throughout the entire series. So that was, seeing her was kind of like a little like, ugh. Like she's sort of like the friend that comes to a party or the friend of a friend and you, your boyfriend is meeting her for the first time. And he's kind of like, why do you hang out with somebody like this? That's the vibe that I got introducing Babalu to season six. How about you? What are two things you like? Thank you. Thing I you was like, like, is someone going to ask me? I, okay, I like well, give me a I was in the middle of answering. God. I also don't like that I told the story about the goldfish and you just went right into the pan. <laughs> right into the script. They nice call moment. me Cuban Pete. I'm the king of the Roomba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom, chick chicky boom. <laughs> I don't know what that song is, but I you want don't know that, that song. Oh, I no, know, but I want that to be my ringtone when you call me now. Oh, okay, it'll definitely be your ringtone. Uh, okay, um, two things I liked. I actually think that the way they start season six with the split cast is the best way to start this show. I, I agree with that. It that is. is that I don't is know why they've never done it again. It makes it so much easier to get to get to know each queen. And I think that's why a lot of the season six queens are so memorable is because even for the ones that went home early, we got more time with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was, I don't know why they only did it that one time. I thought it was a great way to open the season. Second thing that I liked I think, especially when I was pulling the clips today, I love how this was like the perfect balance of the workroom entrances. Like they were self-aware enough to set them up, but it mm-hmm. wasn't such a thing that they were, that they seemed so forced. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, okay, but you also figure up until that point, I don't necessarily remember any of the entrances until the come on season six let's get sickening and then it seems like from there everybody realized that was an opportunity to have the moment Mm -hmm. to have that first thing so there is something kind of pure about them all coming in even though they the couple of them had their corny jokes and stuff it wasn't this need to have this incredible i mean where she literally like slams on the floor well it's like the t-shirt they all want their t-shirt their merch right the you know uh well, I mean, it's always time for a cocktail. Uh, it's always time my, for a my cocktail. Flood is, my basement like, is flooded and all that stuff that started in season seven. What was Jane Dior fierce says she had one too? Like, uh, you know, that's stupid shit that they said. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then the one thing I didn't like about the episode is... Um, Wait, that was only one thing. I said two things. I like the different openings and I like the way that they that they broke up the season. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, the one thing I didn't like... Um, huh. 
I actually think this is a very solid episode. It's hard. It's hard for me to nitpick this episode. The challenge is good. The photo challenge is good. It's up there with one of the better episodes. I'm going to say, um, God, I really don't. I have to come back to you on that. There's nothing I really don't like. Okay. Okay. Uh, this week, the first batch of girls entered the workroom one by one, unaware of this season's split episode surprise. After they all made their acquaintance, RuPaul entered the workroom to deliver the news. For the first time, we're not having just one premiere. We're having two. You are the first seven queens to arrive. This week, you'll be competing against each other, and one of you will be going home. Next week, it's part two, as seven new queens arrive. Because the only thing better than one big opening is two big openings. Yes, Mama! This way, no one can get lost in the crowd. Next, RuPaul immediately threw the girls into their photo shoot challenge. <laughs> this week, we're going to celebrate everything we love about the boob tube. Hashtag all TV, all shades. Ah. Starting with your first photo shoot. Ah. It's time to take a flying leap into season six. Now, to prove you're not the biggest loser, all you have to do is take a quantum leap and strike a sickening pose in the middle of this giant TV screen. Oh, shit. All right, let's go. Okay, so now we're going to go through each of the girls' entrances as well as their photo shoot performance in the order they appeared. First up, okay, Adore Delano. I'm home! Fuck yeah, I'm the first one! My name is Adore Delano, I'm 23 years old, and I'm a fucking Libra. So excited I can pee! I don't fit in with society, I don't fit in with drag queens. Ow! For all the queens telling me that I'm not polished enough, I just want them to know that I'm polished remover, bitch. <laughs> Taylor the Latte Boy, your thoughts on Miss Adore Delano? She's the one we were talking about earlier. As much as I came to adore Adore, especially towards the end of her season and, and during All Stars, her brief stint in All Stars. She grates on my nerves in the beginning of this season incredibly. They seem to be they seem to be definitely focused on her. It was a very adore-centric episode, this first episode, with a lot of the, the shots of expre- you know, expression and reactions and stuff. And she's always doing this weird, like open mouth, like I kind of look surprised, but I've got this like slack jaw. It, it was it it was grating. It was absolutely grating. I thought, like, workroom and television show Adore was annoying. I really did. I don't like the persona of Adore Delano. I realize mm-hmm. this is watching it. Like, at least in this part of the season, I don't like that persona, you know? Yeah. Which she actually, I feel she's gotten back to now. Like, I felt the vulnerable Adore that we saw later in the season, I, I think that's gone away again. I think she's back to this persona that she has. But confessional Adore Delano, she is so good. I think I love Adore Delano, the confessional. I think she's an incredible voice of the show. Okay. And knows how to comment on what's going on is so funny. 
Okay, and, and I will I will give you that. And again, Babalu's never seen the show, and the I look like a lesbian Jonah's brother made him laugh out loud when she said that. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I am focused so much on the drag persona. I, there are parts of the when she's not a door that um, when she's Danny Danny Noriega, yeah, Danny Noriega, yeah. That I I do enjoy that more, but even still, there's something. There's still still something about her that I think the vulner, vulnerable. You talking about her being more vulnerable as the season goes on. We've talked on in previous seasons. There is a moment when I fall in love with her, which I'm not going to talk about now, but we'll get to it later on in the season. That that is the moment that I am like, okay, I'm I'm in. I'm Team Adore. But these first couple of episodes, particularly, are rough. Yeah, but I think, you know what the sort of sad thing is, knowing what's happened with Dor- Danny Noriega, how uh, Adore performed on All Stars 2, and everything we know about just the lawsuit against uh, uh, PEG, and everything that's going on with Adore is that fun Danny Noriega is gone. Like, that, that person doesn't exist anymore. Where I feel like Katya is able to, even if it's not real, has managed to maintain the illusion of Brian. As this mm-hmm. fun sort of person you want to know. I feel that the Danny we saw in season six is gone. That doesn't person doesn't exist anymore. And that's fine, but yeah. Yeah, I I don't really necessarily know what's going on with the lawsuit, but I mean I think that you're just seeing somebody that, you know, she said herself she's twenty three, which okay. She's twenty three this season, which and that was th- four years ago so she's in her later 20s now so think about what you were like at 23 versus 27 yeah but you know i saw a door briefly at dragcon mm-hmm. uh i think i told the story in the show she was saying next to me and it was so disorganized i don't know if i could talk to her or not later on literally right when i walked in the first person i was sitting next to not standing next to was a door and it later turned out that the the publicity was so poorly handled at dragcon i could have just now i learned later i could have just talked to grabbed her and talked to her Mm-hmm. And she even left because no one was talking to her. But anyway, she looked so sickly. She was so thin and looked uh, very drawn. I don't want to make any assumptions, but th- th- imagine the assumptions you may deduce from what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, And looked really bad, which if you remember from All-Stars 2, she looked fat. And yeah, yeah she was chunky. Um, and so, yeah, th- I would say chunky. I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, that, she wasn't but. fat, but she was like chunky, husky, if you will. Zoftig. And roomy. Yeah. And then I've seen her and she's like super, super rail thin, almost like sickly. And I, there's something going on with this girl, man. And I don't know what it is. Even when you read interviews, it's just her bitching and moaning. And maybe things are, she just seems to take herself very seriously now. And so to me, it's almost kind of sad to see this adore because this adore is so fun. But I do yeah. like this version of adore. At least Danny Noriega when she's in the confessional. Okay. Okay. Next up into the workroom, Ben De La Creme. Hi, everybody. It's me, Ben De La Creme. <laughs> oh, there's one. My name is Ben De La Creme, and I'm 31 years old. Ben De La Creme. Yes, De La for short, De for shorter, Miss Creme if you're nasty. Uh- Party. Ben Lacreme is effervescent and optimistic. Wow, this is beautiful. I refer to her as terminally delightful. Oh! So positive, she could cause death at any moment. Well, I'm going to park right next to you. We're hardly the best of friends. What's your sign? Oh, I never got one of those. Uh- Taylor, your thoughts on Ben Lacreme? Listening to it and watching it the second time. And Ben is somebody that I think Ben is really cute as a boy. Um, it felt 
trying too hard, like kind of coming in full steam, full, you know, tilt boogie as far as the, you know, just, just, just all the, all the jokes and all the, you know, you know, sort of thing that was a little, a little annoying, I, I thought, but I know that she's somebody that I, I liked her look this, you know, I, I liked this, the, the character, but there was just something about it that was a little over the top for me. I, yeah, I found her almost unbearable. She was treacly to the point that I wanted to vomit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's funny is... Don't hold back. Ever since uh, that season, I've read things that like people have said, particularly um, Bianca Del Rio, who is not a big Ben Cram fan. And one of the things he didn't like about Ben Delacran was how fake Ben was. And you had mentioned that on previous episodes of our show, and mm-hmm. that kind of ran through my head, unfortunately. So that kind of watching her, I kind of thought, okay, well, how real is this? Which is so funny because she's from Seattle as well, and that was always sort of the take on Jinx. Mm-hmm. You know, that Jinx was so fucking fake and that the, that – that's why the queens didn't like her was because she was one way when the cameras were on and then another way when the cameras were off. And that's sort of Bianca's take on Bianca and on Ben is that Ben is not that like that. Not that obviously he understands a character, but that she plays this um, like happy go lucky, sweet, saccharine uh, character. And in the reality, she's a plotting, calculating bitch. Mm hmm. And uh, I think Bianca didn't like that, but you can, but you can see it's so over the over the top. There's somebody that um, I'm not gonna shouldn't say that. There are people that I know who have such a sunny disposition, and I would say the people who the sunnier the disposition, the darker they are on the inside. <laughs> well, but that's that's comedians. That's the whole thing about comedians that a lot of them are very very dark, and they do they they use humor as a kind of a way to deflect. And to make people laugh and think that everything is is going well, when in actuality things are very dark inside. Well, I'm talking about specific people who are like everything's sunshine and roses, and everything's wonderful and unicorns. And then the people that I know are often the people. The more they're like that, they are the most hateful, mean people in private. Yeah, when I did hospice care, when I w- when I was a counselor working for a local hospice, I was in many different homes, and I was in from where I was in blue collar trailer parks, where I was in the dirty trailer where people are screaming at each other and all that kind of stuff, and I would go into the big houses on the beach, and you know I could go to one or the other where everything is beautiful and it's all marble tile and all that kind of stuff, and I always said I would pick. The trailer going into a trailer than going into a mansion any day of the week because with with the trailer people with the lower income people they let it all out and they just kind of laid it all out there and you knew it was going on but usually the people that lived in the big houses everything was fine and we're doing really really good and we're doing we're totally coping and everything where you could just see the skeletons like in the closet that they were trying to keep the door pushed behind them yeah it was there was always a creepiness to those big houses as pretty as they were to sit in that i was always like yeah that's there's shit going on here that they're never going to let anybody else in on. I have numerous examples of this, but there was a person I used to work with, and she was one of these people who had, like, ponies on her desk and, like, teddy bears on her on her computer screen. And mm-hmm. was always like, good morning, you know? And But but then I knew her fucking deep, dark secrets. And anyone who did would know she was a, a dark, plotting... She was fucking misery. She was misery. She was uh, Annie... 
Wilkes? Any, uh, not Bates, it's Kathy Bates. But. Why is it Annie, Annie Wilkes or something like Wilkes. that? Wilkes, yeah, Annie yeah. Wilkes. She's so. Annie Wilkes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I found well, that to be the case. you still do a podcast with her every week where you catch up. <laughs> you know what you shouldn't have said that? Because now he's going to come and he's going to murder you, Taylor. <laughs> you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be like, Babalu? And, like, <laughs> and then Babalu's going to be like, no, I'm right here. And then you're like, <gasps> boys and girls, let's start the show. Let's catch up with Mike and Joe. La 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 la. I should have. I should have a child. I should have children sing it creepily, yes. like bells. Yes. They're Everything is creepier when you have children sing Frere Jacques over it. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So the point is, like, I, I, you can tell this is fake. I don't. I. It's. It's such a fucking character, and she can't be real for one second. She's so aware that the cameras are on her. <laughs> oh yeah, we're talking about Bento Creme. I forgot about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great. We now, one thing we change. haven't spoken about is what did you think of Adore's photo shoot and Ben's photo shoot? Do you have memories of them? Um. I. I remember Adore's being pretty good. And I kind of remember Ben's being pretty good as as well. I, I liked the challenge. I thought the challenge was interesting. I found it, okay, I found it interesting, though, that when they jump, they're clearly not jumping into the center of the big screen screen mm-hmm. behind them, excuse me. But, like, you know, they, none of them seem to have the, the leg strength to really kind of propel themselves far enough. But in the picture, they all seem to be right in the center. So I'm wondering if they've been Photoshopped over... To where that way they're in the center of all of the... Well, yeah, all they have to do is just take bars. the picture and then just put it in the middle and they put the color bars behind them in the center. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know that. But it's just, I don't know. That goes back to that editing. There, there was some odd editing choices this this season, too. There, this episode. But we'll I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Oh, I'm curious as to what you're talking about. I don't know. Um, all right. Gia Gunn made her entrance next. My name is Gia Gunn. I'm 23 years old. Gia's a fishy girl. She's CCC. Crazy cuckoo cunt. Just got off the boat, you know, a little trip from Asia. Just landed like fresh tilapia. Now, Taylor, we know you're a big Gia Gun fan. Um, <laughs> were you excited to see her on this episode? No. I will say this, though, in Gia's defense. Not that she needs defense for me. The whole hula hoop purse thing, I do kind of love that look. There is something about that that when you, when you think of Gia Gun. That is one of the things that pops in your head immediately. Uh, as uh, there's that and the eyelashes, the, those are the two things that when I think of Gia Gunn, those are the first two things that come to mind. Well, you know, with the with the hula hoop purse, I mean, it's drag squared because drag is about you know taking femininity to the furthest it can go. It's about stretching right. femininity to its outer limit to the. To crazy extreme limits, mm-hmm. and that I mean, how more extreme can you get? How much more camp can you get than a gigantic hula hoop purse? I love that entrance. It's one of I. There's so many great entrances on this season, on this episode, mm-hmm. and um, again, I'm indifferent to Gia Gunn as a contestant so far, but again, such a strong voice. That comments on the show and such a strong voice and such such, such funny things in the confessional. She, it's so funny. It makes you realize how weak Kamora Black was uh, from season nine. 
Yeah. Because I think season nine of Kamora Black wanted to be Gia Gunn. And but I also, go ahead. Yeah, but I I think Kamora Black, when we get to season 12 and season 13, God help me, when you bring up Kamora Black for something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go, oh my God, I totally forgot Kamora Black was on there. Gia Gunn, as much as I don't like her, she is, she is, you remember Gia. You remember her. She's one of those iconic people because she was, in my opinion, she was a villain of this season in many ways. So she, she stands out in that regards. You know, what's funny is I, so far I, I'm actually having trouble remembering Gia's storyline on season six. So right now I don't see her as a villain. I, I find her commentary during uh, the people's workroom entrances very funny. And, um, and, and to me, she's able to be bitchy without seeming mean. And I don't know why on this episode. I just, I, okay. I was going to say, because that, that's, that's the difference between, I think her and Bianca. I know we're not to Bianca yet, and that's a whole other episode. But whereas Bianca, I don't know who Bianca was, is. You don't know who Bianca is? No. Well, I, I heard there's going to be somebody that named Bianca that's kind of funny. Okay. Whereas I think a lot of times when she makes the commentary about the other queens, it's just it's just bitchy. It's just mean, and I I don't I I don't like her as a contestant on this show. But I do think that there's an element in drag of mean. And absolutely, there- but there, there there's okay, there's mean and there's biting. And I think biting trumps mean. There is there is the ability, you know, the whole the library is open and throwing shade and stuff mm-hmm. where she's just saying stuff to be mean. Like where she's she's just one of the bitchy girls in the cafeteria that just dresses everybody down when they come walking in. That's what I get from her. Like I said, I don't remember her storyline as well. So I'm curious to see. Let's see how it goes. But so far, I really like her. And I I remember really liking her when I first saw her. But I don't remember what my emotions were going through the season. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. All right. I got to get something off my chest. By the time I finish watching RuPaul's Drag Race two times, recording two different shows about it, and spending my entire week around RuPaul's Drag Race, the last thing I want to do is listen to other podcasts about RuPaul's Drag Race. But people are constantly saying, do you listen to this podcast or that podcast? And I'll be honest with you, I don't because I barely have time to record the one that I do. And I this, this, this sits on me, on my chest. So I have to get it off my chest because I'm like, is this hindering my growth as a creator? So I'm glad I told you guys this so you guys can stop recommending shows or asking me if I listen to Race Chaser or Sibling Rivalry. We all carry around different stressors, by the way. Big, small, serious, silly. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest. Can you imagine if I went to therapy with this? And to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I have benefited tremendously from therapy. Tremendously. And it's a way for me to work out different problems that I've had. And I've shared those problems with you before. If you have stressors in your life, you need to talk them out. That's how you release the toxicity is by talking it out. And therapy can help do that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. 
When they designed it, they designed it to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire, and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. And by the way, if you don't like your therapist, you can just switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drag Race today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash drag race. So, okay. All right. Next up, probably the best workroom entrance in the history of the show. Let's give it up for Laganja Estranja. Oh, y'all wanted a twist, eh? Come on, season six. Let's get sick, me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, bitch. Work. My name is Laganja Stranja. I'm 24 years old. Hi, girl. Hi. Laganja is known for her wild and amazing dance abilities. Oh, oh, damn. She's ghetto, but she's also classy and glamorous. Girls, about time they got some fresh fish up in here, honey. Sushi roll, sushi roll. Barf. Taylor, your take on Laganja Stranja. I don't like Gia Gunn. I loathe Laganja Estranja. Now that is the opening of all openings. Her 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 entrance. I will I will give her props for that. But she is somebody that I just never understood the appeal of. Never got it. Never never will. She. I know that also the, her whole thing is the whole you know smoking weed and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's just not me. So that's not necessarily something that I am attracted to as far as a, a performer, but the, 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 it's amazing how knowing what her arc is and seeing the seeds of that being planted in season one, especially during runway critique is I totally forgot that it went back that far as far as those moments go. What did you know? She won the, uh, the winner of this photo challenge. What did you think of her photo shoot? I thought her photo was great. I thought she had. I thought she was, it was a great photo. I'm I'm talking more about the personality of her because if I remember correctly, she had looks over the over the course of the season for the runway that I did like. There were things about her that I liked. She didn't give the same thing every single week, and I appreciate that. It's it's just the whole yes, mama, mm-hmm, slag, yeah, girl, whatever. That I I small small bites of that, and then she's just so over the top with it you know one thing that i also noticed is that this is a very young group well this group is very young yeah so i mean other than ben i mean so far everybody is in their early 20s yeah so and i know we have a couple more that are the same way that i i didn't realize it feels like some of these later seasons they're they're all like around 30 now versus the ones that are all like 23 24 yeah. You know, uh, my take on Laganja is she's one I think I had a different opinion of now than I did then. Um, I remember at the end of the season, you, you, especially in the finale, you heard all these, especially, you know, we will later learn that Adore and, and Laganja have it out, that Adore felt Laganja was being so fake on the show. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, that's weird. I didn't really get that take. But now watching it, it's like this girl is fucking extra. Oh my yeah. god, she is just it maybe because you're gonna be on television, be like an eight or a nine. She's like a twelve, and yeah. it's just like everything anyone says is like yes, mama. Oh, and like you can hear it in the background, you yeah. know. And she's just like these legs are. Ep-. My arm was supposed to be my leg. <laughs> 
Honey's <laughs> legs are everything. I didn't pull that clip, but she says it after she wins the challenge. And I was just like, oh, she's she's a, she's extra. I mean, she's yeah. like the definition of extra. Yeah. And especially in this episode, I think it continues on. Uh, let's say hello to Kelly Mantle. Hey, bitches. Y'all ready to rock and roll? Woo! Oh, shit. I need to put these back on. I'm just... I'm just cute. I'm Kelly Mantle. I'm 37 years old. Lovely to meet you. Laganja. Gorgeous. I am an actor. I've been on a bunch of television shows, but I promise I'm not going to walk around reciting my IMDb page like some people we know from past seasons. Taylor Vellante Boy, give us your take on Kelly Mantle. (sighs) Kelly Mantle. If I dislike uh, Gia... And I no, love Kelly Mantle wasn't Laganja. really around long. Shut up, Kelly. Kelly Mantle wasn't really around around long enough for me to like or dislike. Other than she's kind of a punchline when we talk about queens that nobody thinks of anymore. I Kelly strikes me as the kid in high school that was bullied a lot and found some sort of comfort in theater. And decide and never moved away from that. Figured uh, that is that that is a safe place for me. So I am always going to be within that realm. And I know there will be people there that will protect me. So that's why I stay in theater. But you know, as far as the look goes, I like the wig. But I think it was I think Gia said that the look was not polished and the makeup was busted and all that kind of stuff. And in that regards, I agree. You know, one of the great thing about some of these queens is while you can kind of see the boy under the makeup with Kelly, Kelly just looks like the boy in makeup. If that, if that makes sense, does that make sense? No. Okay. She just, she just kind of looks like a boy in a dress. Whereas you've got a door and you've got Gia and, you know, think about Gia Gunn. When Gia Gunn is sitting there talking without any makeup on. Gia Gunn is a woman. Well, I know Gia Gunn's a woman now. No, no. I meant like, yeah, I know she's, 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 she's uh transitioned. But what I'm talking about is, she is so fishy, like even out of drag, she looks like a woman. Oh, see, I don't. I just think she just looks like a guy, just a guy with a ponytail. Whereas when she's all done up with the makeup, there is a difference there. With Kelly, I don't see a difference. Like Kelly seems like like the interviews, she looks like she has on just as much makeup as a boy that she does when she's Kelly. Yeah, but I would say as a boy, she just looks like an old lady. Oh, I guess. I That's... think I think Kelly Mantle is actually. <sighs> She's like an Alice and Janney to me. Like, Alice and Janney has a very manly quality to her, but you still know she's a woman. And that's sort of mm-hmm. how I feel on Kelly Mantle, I, who I believe is also transitioned. But Kelly Mantle, I see woman uh, when I see her. Like, a tall, awkward. Uh, I think someone even says Christine Baranski, and I totally get Christine Baranski. Yeah, the runway. So mm-hmm. this is Christine Baranski. So... I don't see boy as much as I see woman. Maybe I see man. Let me put it. You say pretty boy. I say manly woman. Let's call the whole thing off. (laughs) You say pretty boy. I say manly woman. You say manly woman. I say pretty boy. Allison, Jenny, (laughs) Christine, Baranski. Let's call the whole whole thing thing off. off. (laughs) Um, Did you know uh, TIL? Today, or T-Y-L, today you learned. Did you know that Kelly Mantle is the nephew of baseball legend Mickey Mantle? 
I, I'm looking up her IMDP page right now, and I just got to that because I want to see if she transitioned or not. So I did not know that before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I well because it came up because remember recently Kelly Mantle was approved by the Academy the, by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to be allowed to uh, submit as both a female and a male I believe yes I'm reading that now because oh. it says the film was released in 2016 for the movie Confession of a Womanizer with Gary Busey. Mantle, who is gender fluid, made history when the film's producers sought both supporting actor and supporting actress consideration for his performance. That's Wikipedia's, not me. And the Academy granted the request. Yeah. Interesting. I love that when this was announced, people were like, go, bitch, you go, Kelly Mantle, get your Academy Award. And all, all that means was you can submit it. Right. Right. It doesn't you're mean in a movie with Gary Busey. Yeah. If you're in a movie with Gary Busey, uh, you're who is not, an Academy Award winner? Is <laughs> an Academy Award winner. But do you think he was normal before? Now, for those young people who listen, Gary Busey was an actor who won an Academy Award for the movie The Buddy Holly Story, I believe. Yes. And was actually a real respected actor. I believe he's also in an Office Center Gentleman. Maybe he's in a, a couple of movies. He's in. A, I don't think he's in that. Maybe but then not. He found his. He found his favorite co-star cocaine <laughs> well then also he was in a bad motorcycle accident and he wasn't wearing a helmet he almost died and then i think there are people who are close to gary who say that he became a different person after that motorcycle accident mm. and probably went the crazy route but he was in that whole mickey rourke crew and all of people who went crazy um yeah. okay let's all give a salute to april carry on red party yes! for duty Whoa! april Carrion is in the house yes! I'm April Carrion. I'm 24 years old, directly from Guaynabo, Puerto Rico. And here I thought gays weren't allowed in the scouts. April is a cross between Bjork and Coco Rocha. What's up, girls? You know, something weird, but something glamorous. One thing I will say before we go to you, Taylor, is I noticed it watching it the second time. Is unlike later seasons, I can't speak for earlier seasons, but unlike later seasons, when the girls walk in, the other girls who are already there are so excited to see them and cheering for them and so encouraging. Where I feel now it's super, even season nine was supposed to be like the nice season. I still felt mm-hmm. it was very cold and, and frigid when they walked in that room. I yeah, I listening back now was they're all going the yeah and everything like that. Even the ones that like you know, they talk kind of talk about Kelly. They're all still after she makes her stupid joke, they're all laughing and stuff with her. It's yeah. not that whole where we're all just going to stare. But I almost wonder if that's an editing choice of the producers for later seasons of rather make it build the tension right away of where it make it look like queens don't like each other or there's comments being made. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe it was, it was it was an editing choice where they decided to do that. So, what were your takes on April Carry On? Uh, I love the look. I lo- I love the little military type look um, with the whole because that was kind of a gender fluid sort of thing with the with the short haircut and and the little what's apparently referred to as a cunt cap, mm-hmm. according to a friend of mine. That's what those little caps are called. Oh, really? Yeah, um, from when he had his in the military. And I, I just, I just think she's so cute as a boy. That's somebody when I was in my twenties, I would have seen out of the bars every week, and I would have just creepily stared at because I would have thought, so so cute. Uh, yeah, I, 
so boring as a drag queen. I could not tell you a thing about what she wore or did or said as a drag queen on this episode. Yeah. But like, she's on those confessionals, and I think she's so adorable and so cute. Oh my god, I yeah. can't stop staring at her. Mm-hmm. But I don't even have much to say about her because as a drag queen, even as a person, she's not that interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's what like I don't remember. I don't remember what sent her home. I don't remember how long she's on this season. But I just there's just it's kind of like. You're yeah. cute to look at. Take off your shirt every once in a while while you're walking around the workroom and everything will be fine. Yeah, like she is so cute to look at, but I have no desire to hear her talk. Uh, or Actually, I like her accent. I'm not usually a big fan of accents, but I like her accent. Yeah. She rolls her R's real nice. Yeah. Well, also, she has not only just her Puerto Rican accent, but her gay accent I really like. It's very uh, boyish. And very like, I'm April Carrion from Guayanaba, Puerto Rico. And you're like, oh, queen, please. I love you. <laughs> How much money do you want? Okay. Finally, when is mother getting home? Say hello to Vivacious. Oh! Girl, what? An alien? Yes! Yes, Mama. Come on. <laughs> Pull it down, baby. Let us see. Oh. I'm vivacious. I'm 40 years old. Mother yes. has arrived. Yes. Vivacious is the last original club kid in New York City. I'm living for this hat. Yes. Give me some hat right about now. Oh. My look is Libari abstract entity. Vivacious is living art. Taylor, your thoughts on Vivacious? Uh, the, the whole thing in the beginning is cringeworthy. It's, you would have thought that there would have been a couple of practices first before, you know, the whole trying to unzip to show the face and everything. I appreciate the effort. And it seems like, the, and again, going back to what you said before, the other contestants, that could have gone really bad with the other contestants. And whether they were making fun of her or not, they all seem to be trying to support her. Um Vivacious was somebody that I would have liked to have seen more during the season. I don't know that I would have wanted to see a lot more, but I she, there was something very intriguing about her as a queen, as a as somebody as the interviews go. She, there was something very annoying about her, where she had her whole like um and not anagrams. What's the? I just, there was things about her that I just didn't like. I'm going to tell you something, <laughs> and I really love Laganja's entrance, her workroom entrance. But mm. for me, Vivacious's entrance, forget the screw up, is everything to me. Coming in with the fucking head, and then unzipping it, and you know, snapping that fan, and saying, "Mother has arrived." I love, love, love that entrance. It's a great entrance. It's a great... I think the fact that there is the problem with the zip makes it... That's part of the thing that makes it a classic entrance. But I think even what you're saying... But even having Ornatia... hadn't hadn't happened, it would still be a great entrance. And she jumps into the pit with Ornatia on her head. Mm -hmm. And everything about Ornatia... By by the way, people listening who haven't seen the the episode, she she tells RuPaul the name of the head is Ornatia. Right. 
everything about Ornatia is wonderful. Everything about Vivacious is wonderful. And uh, I love, you're right. I actually, Vivacious is one of these people that's rare where I like her more as a drag queen than I do as a contestant on the show. Yes. Where I do think, like, I see her perform drag and I love it. But, uh, like, during the confessionals or whatnot, I'm, I'm not that interested in her. She has really not much to say. I don't know what you were trying to say before. But, um. Well, there, there's kind of that I, there's sort of that I am the historian. She kind of is the Sasha of this season where, yeah. you know, she's seen it all. She's done it all. She's all that kind of thing. And she has all of these witty sayings that she has for, like, I, I know one that she talks about is gay, which is something ahead of yesterday or something generation ahead of yesterday or something that, you know, the gays are always like, she seems like she has a bunch of those that were a little like, okay, we get it. You've, 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 you've thought about this. I, I don't care. I just want to see an address. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, uh, yeah, but RuPaul, she may not do the, um, the, the, like the, not, it's not anagrams. You're right. But, um, she may not do that. Like, you know, like, uh, fear means, um, for what's the? I always hear in like therapy in my group therapies. Always hear fear is what does fear stand for? False expect the false something ex- appearing real, you yeah. know. Uh, false. false expectations appearing real. Yeah, and uh, she's full of those. But so, but RuPaul may not do that. But RuPaul is full of that same sort of new agey stupid but, bullshit. Right, but RuPaul is also where you you. If you're taking the two of them together, RuPaul does it better. RuPaul is annoying, too, when she does that. But RuPaul does it better than Vivacious does. And that's also because we've also had 25 years to get to know RuPaul, and that's something to come to expect. Well, look, I don't I don't know you well enough at this point to have you, you know, throw your sage wisdom at me. It's There's something about it that's... I don't know. There's there's something about the way those interviews go that there's a a I don't know if it's patronizing. I don't know if it's I don't know what it is, but I just don't like it. Well, let me say this mm-hmm. with RuPaul, and the same thing's true with Oprah. You put up with it because they're successful. So right. exactly, there is there are tangible results from what they're saying. When you're like vivacious, what you're like a poor drag queen who lives in New York. But right. That which is such a it's it, it's faulty logic, but that's I think why you buy it from RuPaul more. I also want to say that Vivacious has spoken, and I don't want to misquote her, so I have to do research into this. But she has spoken about that entrance, and I think she's she. There's some sort of producer shenanigans with the, the zipper. I can't remember precisely what it is, but uh, I believe Vivacious thinks that like she was made to look silly when. And I can't remember how she was set up that way, but I don't remember. I, I, I don't want to speculate. I have to find out. Um, okay, so after Laganja was named the winner of the challenge, which, which do you have anything else to say about the photo challenge, uh, Taylor? No, I, I thought it, it was a great idea. I, I did, they don't really do that anymore, do they? Do they do a photo challenge right in the beginning? They did one. They didn't do one this season, but I think they did one with season eight. Yeah, season eight was when they when they posed with all the queens. Oh, okay. so they skipped it season seven. And they skipped it season nine, nine. but they did it season okay. eight. Okay. I, I, I miss that because I remember that with, with season four, with where they're on, they were on the turnstiles and they were getting hit with the neon paint. And I remember the – I'm saying that now I don't remember the other ones. But I remember them doing other ones and really enjoying that and getting that one-on-one time with Rue right away. Um, but, uh, yeah, that photo shoot, that photo shoot was good. It was funny. And, uh, you know, like, look, Vivacious is a great one. Vivacious photo shoot was amazing. She couldn't jump. Mm-hmm. 
And Ornacia was sticking out of the, the box. It was so fucking funny. But she looked like a superhero. I mean, she did the thing, I mean, where she was doing, like, the swan dive with the arms extended, and it was it was kind of a neat I picture. often wonder with Vivacious how much she is aware of herself, because she had such a weird, dumb look on her face mm-hmm. that I'm wondering if, if it was on purpose, she's almost, like, so funny. Yeah. And I think there's a part of her that's very funny, but maybe how, what, how, much, how aware of herself do you think she is? I think she takes herself a little bit more seriously than she should. Okay. Anyway, after Laganja was named the winner of the challenge, RuPaul immediately took the girls outside to reveal this week's main stage challenge. These boxes contain items inspired by some of TV's greatest hits. Yes. Okay. Now, using the junk from one of these trunks, you need to create your best high fashion drag look. Laganja, you won the mini challenge, so you get to assign one box to each queen. I'm going to choose Dancing with the Star. Good choice. Okay, Miss April, I'm thinking because of your entrance look, you might be able to take Duck Dynasty and make it work. Uh-huh. Gia, darling, I'm going to go with Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Thank you. <laughs> what about Vivacious? The Game of Thrones. What do you have for a door? Hmm. I'm whispering golden girls. Like, golden girls. For my sister, I think I would like to go with, here comes Honey Boo Boo. Oh, you fucking bitch. Really? It's a golden girl. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, mama. Oh, no. It's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. What do you have for Kelly Mantle? I think I'm going to go with the Downtown Abbey. Well, that means that Ben de la Creme gets Golden Girl. Thank you for being a friend. All right, so Taylor, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through each queen, okay, and their look and talk about them. Now, I have only a few thoughts on each look. I, I know you love to just pontificate on each look. Like All of a sudden, you're fucking Bob Mackie all of a sudden. But let's go through it. So the first up right. was Laganja Stranja as Dancing with the Stars. I watched this episode last night. I don't remember what I don't remember anything about it that really stands out. So it wasn't necessarily one of my favorite looks. Well, I didn't see what was so Dancing with the Stars about it. Well, didn't she? It was all um, like the mirror ball. Like, wasn't it all sequins? Like, where or she had she had taken like little mirrors and everything and put them everywhere. Oh, she didn't even so notice they, that. Yeah, I kind of well, I might be wrong. I know I her and her look and Gia's look kind of blend together for me when we get to keeping with the Kardashians. I feel like Gon just had a lot more color. Uh I feel I feel like Gia's was sort of wasn't that like an all black kind of ensemble? Kind of, yeah. But I I, I but I feel like they were both black and silver. Like there was some combination oh, of black and silver for both of them. Okay. Yeah, I remember thinking like I guess dancing with the stars, I suppose. Maybe I'm confusing Laganjas with adores. Uh, who knows? No, Adores and Laganjas. I I remember L- L- Adores. And- well, I just remember thing. Like, remember, I said there's a lot of color, and Adores has a lot of color. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, I was like, Meh, it's fine. I didn't see what was Dancing with the Stars about it, but oh, okay. She okay. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. She had the big weird, like, bl- all the um lace and everything around her neck. And she had on a gold headband, and they were talking about how it looked very Whitney Houston, Queen of the Night. Oh yes, from the uh-huh. bodyguard. So, and that she was she was tripping over the back of it. 
No, she looked good, but I just didn't see what was dancing with the stars about it. Um, do you okay. have toot or boot, Taylor? Boot. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, well, I couldn't remember anything about it, so that tells you right there what I thought of it. I'll give it a toot. I'll okay. give it a toot. All right. April Carrion, Duck Dynasty. I I liked her creativity with this. It There was a little too much if she had taken maybe one thing away from it. I think actually somebody says that to her. But the, the, something about the, the look and the use of patterns, it was very reminiscent to me of the apocalypse, apocalyptic <laughs> challenge from season four, mm-hmm. um, where it felt it reminded me of Fifi O'Hara's look for that um, for that season. So but I, I did like it. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. Remember, she was going to go like the pants route, wasn't she? Or the yeah, she said something about pants, and um, and Rue was like, ooh, and, she, and so I thought what she did with it, I thought she looked really, really good. In fact, it's one of the few looks of hers that I remember her, and I remember I I remembered it even before I saw the episode, right? So, um, yeah, good job, April Carry on Duck Dynasty, and I, and I thought it was very Duck Dynasty. You could see the use of like the camouflage and the netting and the ducks and she carried it she like dragged the duck behind her or something right yeah she i'm looking i'm looking at that picture right now she it's kind of um she's almost has it like where it's a little purse yes at first and then to the end she just kind of drags the duck behind her yeah next up gia is doing gia gun is doing keeping up with the kardashians now you know i think at the time i didn't really know as much about the kardashians as i do now and i didn't see specifically what was so kardashian about it It almost i think i can see why you confused it with dancing with the start yeah it's it's just it's just kind of a basic black outfit so yeah i I not i i I, there was nothing impressive about it and this is also the first time that we get the absolutely that we it's been a while since we've heard that oh i didn't even Um, pick up on it yeah no that's 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 where they talk that's that's like her infamous thing where she does that absolutely i remember absolutely but when did she do in this episode during the the she did it during the critique she says it three times in a row where everything they were saying to her she was going absolutely so that's oh. and I feel like she does that later on. So her outfit is black and silver and it's kind of it's a crisscross almost like a chevron type uh pattern on the top and then she's got a little black she's got like black fringe hanging from the the waist. It was I, I maybe we should come up with a third category in that I wouldn't give it a toot or a boot as much as I'd call it like safe. It was safe. Safe is a very good way to describe this look. Yeah, it's safe. I don't know if I'd yeah. toot it. I don't know if I'd boot it. Safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, vivacious Game of Thrones. I love this look. Yeah, so do I, I actually. I, I I think that it is high fashion enough, yet you know that she's talking about Game of Thrones. I love that the silver metallic of the outfit kind of looks like chainmail. The hair's a little ridiculous, and the George Jefferson walk down the runway is was distracting, but... I thought that I th- I thought her look was great. I I liked it. I love the raven on the wrist and and it was definitely it would get a toot from me. I, w- I would say only Game of Thrones and Duck Dynasty are the two ep- outfits. I'm like, oh, that's that show. Yeah. Everyone else, I'm like, oh, I guess you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Vivacious gets a big boot from me. I thought I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was high fashion, and you could tell that it was toot, Game of Amy. Thrones. Oh, I'm sorry, you toot. You yeah. could tell it was Game of Thrones. I love the crow on her arm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great. I actually was a big fan of it. Uh, she's in the bottom. I actually can't tell why she's in the bottom, but she's in the bottom. But um, Okay. Now, let's we're going to talk a little bit about a door here because there were things 
the way the episode was structured, there were little moments that happened that weren't necessarily worth doing a whole segment on them, but I wanted to get through right. them. But let's, let's talk about her look first. Adores, uh, here comes Honey Boo Boo. What were your, what were your take on it? I don't get how it relates to Honey Boo Boo Boo. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the name of the show. <laughs> here comes here comes Honey Babaloo. Um, but I yes, th- sir, I'm Cuban <laughs> I'm the craze of my native street. When I start to dance, everything goes chick chicky boom, chick chicky boom. Oh, I snorted. Um, I thought the look was very adore. I didn't necessarily get Honey Boo Boo from it, though I get where those characters, where that Venn diagram can possibly meet, because a lot of the way that she was acting in the workroom with the glue gun and, you know, I don't know, party, all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. is very, maybe that is just of its time. Now, when I go back and watch that, that seems very much of that lowbrow reality show mentality of shows like Duck Dynasty and Keeping Up with the Kardashians and Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. So maybe she was just kind of going along with what was happening in pop culture at that time. But the look itself is, it's it's a cute look. I don't get Honey Boo Boo from it. I didn't get Honey Boo Boo from it. I did not get Honey Boo Boo from it at all. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things. One, earlier in the episode, during a workroom moment, Adore says the following. All these girls have these crazy rhinestone dresses, and I brought, like, four gowns with me. So that is making me very insecure at this moment in time. What was your thought when she said that, when when only bringing four gowns and all that? I thought it was an odd thing to say. I, I didn't get why she would not come fully prepared, especially if she doesn't know how to sew, knowing that there are going to be sewing challenges and stuff. But I, I also that kind of speaks to somebody that doesn't think they're going to be there super long. That's a good point. I also think it's very interesting to me because partially the way it's edited, but also there's something the way it's cut, the way she is, the way she says that you go. This is when people start to fall in love with a door because there's a vulnerability to it. Where mm-hmm. And unlike other contestants where they're like, you're like, bitch, well, how do you not know how to fucking sew? There's something about the way she, she, you feel sorry for her. You like legitimately go like, oh my God, she only had, like, she doesn't say it, but to me, I'm thinking she's too poor. This is a poor little kid. And I think that's why she hit it so big with the very young kids is they felt that awkwardness. They felt that um being too poor. I mean, she's really big with the young kids. And I think they relate to moments like these. Go ahead. Well, okay, but think about this, you know, and I know that we're getting ahead. We're talking about the critiques, though I don't know that we're necessarily going to talk specifically about the critiques, but there was a parallel to season six, episode one, Adore versus Michelle Visage to All-Stars 2, season one, Michelle Visage versus Adore, mm-hmm. where there at one point there is that. Like, you know, you can't help but think about this is the first time they're seeing each other versus in All-Stars where they have they've built this relationship. And then there's the whole thing that went down with her, you know, you, you know, your hog body and all that kind of stuff. And the one tear and she kind of gets a look on her face at one point that is what did I sign myself up for even in season six? So, you know, and at that point. A lot more people fell in love with Adore, which is why I think there was such the visceral reaction for All-Stars then, whereas people that were kind of like me that were kind of – I don't remember seeing that. I don't remember 
watching her have that moment where she had the one tear down her face and thinking, feeling bad for her. As much as I don't like her in this episode, because I eventually grow to really love Adore, I felt bad for her in that moment when she was going over for the critique and they were commenting on what was going on with her. Because when they were saying what happened and she was like, you know, oh, I was like a little kid that, you know, went to a party and da 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 And she was being, she was being very, uh, not cordial. Cordial's not the right word, but I mean, she she, she was just very personable, and it was it was nice to watch that moment because that is the adore that I love further down the line. Like you you can see that now, whereas at the time when I watched it, it was just I was so focused on the weird slack jaw and the party and all that kind of stuff that it made it harder to harder to love her. I went off on a tangent there. I'm sorry. No, that's I, right. You, your eyes glazed over about 30 seconds ago, and it's totally okay. Well, no, it's it's. It, I think we're speaking the same language there, where like there's something very relatable about her, and you can hear it there. And I think this now the same thing. I'm gonna talk about two different things. We're gonna continue on the relatable part. Um, a door. It's it's elimination day. They're getting ready to go on the runway, and she realized she comes to a tragic realization. How do you take this off? So I may have or may have not glued my garment to my mannequin. This is so horrible. Ah! I'm fucking ripping my whole dress. You good, baby? Go ahead, babe. I have a promise I can. I make one attempt to help the bitch get the ensemble off of the mannequin. It was impossible. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. These bitches are basically ready at this point. I'm freaking the fuck out. <laughs> well, the reason I left that 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 usually I don't usually I usually cut before then is I, I was going to gonna say the laughter that was very like oh yeah, well, yeah because here's why one again this every kid every young kid everyone under ter- age twenty two or twenty three can relate to being like oh my god I'm so random and I just I fucked up in school and I did my homework my buddy blue buddy blue you know and so I think that's what makes a door very relatable to young people mm-hmm. but also. Such fuckery in this show and the editing. They do this big drama and then they never address it again when they come back from the commercial. It's never brought up again. It's like, yeah. oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> come back. They just do the runway. In the look. dress, no problems, nothing yeah. ripped. Nothing, yeah. And they don't bring it up in the, they don't bring it up in the judge's critiques. Uh, it's just forgotten about, never mentioned again. Well, do you think but that's something where the, it was a moment of drama and then she got the dress off the mannequin, obviously, and realized it didn't rip. So that that's kind of that. It kind of reminds me of the moment that happens when the truck pulls up and she goes, so do you want to meet the other contestants? And yeah. the thing comes up, you know, and then she goes, well, you'll have to you'll have to survive this week's challenge. Yeah, there was a lot of fuckery. You know, in it episode. seems like there, it, it's it's yeah, it's fucking with the heads. Uh, it, you know, we've talked about how this show not only fucks with the heads of contestants, it fucks with the heads of the viewers as well, and that's an example of that. All right, let's move on now to Kelly Mantle's Downton Abbey look, Taylor. Uh horrible. She looked. She looked like the Little Mermaid. She she looked like a bad Little Mermaid costume. The fact that nobody brought that up when she was walking up and down is 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 amazing to me, having watched it again. Um, when she was talking about making some sort of bustle or something, and not bustle, uh, some sort of uh, bustier out of the big flower, I had totally forgotten about the whole bacon thing. Uh-huh. And then when she came out the first day, I'm like, oh, God, this is the bacon dress. I totally forgot about that. But the the horrible wig that hasn't been like brushed out or anything. Oh, would you call snap. it Thirsty. 
It was it, the wig was definitely. I think it's the first of our thirsty wigs of the season. Yeah, and it just was. It, she, Michelle called it a shake and go wig, and just where she just it looked like just some weird fabric. It was just horrible, 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 horrible boot. Definitely boot. She deserved to be in the bottom two for that look. Yeah, and you know it's one of these things where uh, I I didn't know where the bacon dress came from, and then you yeah you see what was it what was a bustier you said or a flower yeah or? it was supposed to be like a bustier, and you're like oh that's where it came from oh that's the origin I I remembered the bacon but I didn't know that's where the bacon came from so I saw that I was like oh that's where it came from yeah awful 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 dress and she's one of these people who you know fans of the show and fans of drag say she deserves a second chance that she's a very strong drag queen and just didn't perform up to snuff on that episode but she's actually a force to be reckoned with obviously world of wonder believes so because i think she's had a few world of wonder appearance shows on like online on the on the on the world of wonder youtube shows so uh i don't know we'll see uh ben de la creme for golden girls taylor i love this look I absolutely love this look. I don't know how much Golden Girls it is, and I also don't understand the weird pomegranate vagina thing on her head and her hair. But the uh, there's the look goes with her in that her the persona that she has, and the fact that she said she didn't sew it, she glued it all together. Is even that makes it that much more impressive. I love the color scheme in it. I love the the fit of the dress. You know, I think I think she looks great in it. I, I don't know how much it's Golden Girls, but it's it's a great look. Yeah, it wasn't very Golden Girls, but it did look really good. And then you, it's the first time where you see she really looks a lot like Michelle Visage. Right. And I rem- I remember where she comes out, and I didn't remember them saying Benjamin Creme right away. I thought the first thing when she comes out was RuPaul going, Michelle Visage. But she she does look a lot like her. Um. All right. Um, as well as we all know, it was uh, the final two, the bottom two, actually, you should say, were Kelly Mantle and Vivacious. They sang, they lip synced for their lives against each other. But in the end, uh, Kelly Mantle was asked to sashay away, and Vivacious uh, lived to see another day. Unfortunately, I didn't get to stick around to sing or act, but I'm not a sewer. I have little sweatshops in Van Nuys that does that for me. Don't wear bacon! Don't wear bacon. Taylor, any final thoughts on the episode? We had talked in the past about that they had used a Madonna song in the past, mm-hmm. in past seasons, and I didn't believe you when you said that. <laughs> and then when Express Yourself came up, I'm like, oh, they did use that. That's impressive that they got the they got the rights to that song. Watching Kelly Mantle lip sync it kind of felt like a Valentina moment where there were times it looked like she didn't know the words to the song yeah. or that she, she panicked or freaked out or whatever. Um, it's, we, you know, kind of bookending this conversation that we're having. It's very weird knowing good chunks of the season, what's going to happen, but then totally forgetting other things that I, that, that I, I'm looking forward to being surprised again or to having things register. I'm like, oh, this is this is brought up, you know, this will be brought up for the next in the next episode or something like that. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to this season. And I am I'm just looking forward to it. What about you? Um, you know, I was thinking right now about how, uh, you know, I didn't pull the clip because it's very visual, but when the she alert came on and a door fell out of the chair, that was another, <laughs> that was another moment when you're like, oh, she, you know, she, she plays to that group of young kids who feel awkward and out of place. And she even says it in the beginning. 
Uh, and it's funny that Adore and Katya are the most popular queens of all time on the show, along with Bianca Del Rio. But the two of them are always point out how much what outsiders they are, and that they don't well, really okay, hang out with the drag queens. Yeah. But I guess the the difference is with Adore, you know, it Katya acts like an outsider, whereas Adore tells everybody she's an outsider. Yeah. So it's kind of that whole thing of, you know, I want to be my own person and I want to be unique, but I'm dressed like everybody else in the cafeteria. I, there's something I, – I get that appeal and I, I get where she would be appealing to that young – and maybe that's part of it because I'm not that awkward kid <laughs> anymore – so I've moved beyond that. So there's something about that that's very just like I'm over that. I'm over that way that she acted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I don't know. All right. Well, that concludes this first episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Join us next week and every week as we dissect, discuss, and deconstruct every episode in this very special season of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. So for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself... Sashay away until next week. RuPaul's Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast. To learn more about Afterthought Media, visit afterthought.media. To support us on Patreon and to gain access to our other shows, please visit us at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. For a small monthly fee, you gain access to hours of bonus content weekly, frequent live shows, and access to our extensive back catalog. To contact the show, email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at dragracerecap, and follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap. You can find Taylor the Latte Boy on his other podcast called Pod Is My Co-Pilot, available at podismycopilot.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow Taylor on Twitter at P-I-M-C Taylor and on Instagram at P-I-M-C Taylor. Joe Batanz is the host of many other podcasts and you can find those podcasts at afterthought.media or at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. You can follow Joe Batanz on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batanz, that's J-O-E-B-E-T-A-N-C-E. This episode was recorded in the summer or fall of 2017 and originally released on Patreon. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DragRace today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DragRace.